The scripture says, to be absent from the body, do you know what the end of that verse says? Is to be present with the Lord. And uh, just chatted with John a, a minute ago. John's in our service, came in, slipped in. Um, she's rejoicing. So our spirits are, are saddened today because John and family is at loss. But we're rejoicing in the truth that Cindy is with her Savior. So um, I have this illustration to start my message. I thought, ah, it's kind of, kind of a, kind of a touching time. But I'm excited. This is this is what life is all about: is realizing that someday we're going to stand before God, and either we're going to be rejoicing and dancing. No more Cain. She is dancing, and she will be dancing on concrete, well, golden streets. Um, A man appeared before the pearly gates, and Peter addressed him and said, have you ever done anything of particular merit? Peter asked. Well, the man said, I can think of one thing. Once I came upon a gang of high testosterone bikers who were threatening a young woman. I directed them to leave her alone, but they wouldn't listen. So I approached a biker who was heavily tattooed, a heavily tattooed biker. I smacked him along the side of the head, kicked his bike over and pulled his nose ring out of his nose, and I said, Leave her alone or you'll be addressing me. Peter looked at him and said, Wow, when did this happen? And he said, Just a minute ago. (laughs) This morning, we're not talking about... uh, We're not talking about the, the means by which we get to heaven. Rather, I want us to... Take our Bibles, and I want us to turn to Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 22, the last two chapters, right before the maps, if you have a hard copy of God's Word. Because what I want us to do is I want us to just meditate and think about this future place called heaven, what we have been singing about this morning, this place that... um, It's so beautiful. And I want us to just stop and read some scripture and think about this, uh, that this morning. And what I want us to look at is seven wonders. Uh, these are just some thoughts that uh, have come to mind as I, I read through Revelation 21 and 22. Seven wonders of heaven. If you're with me, number one It's a wonder that such a place even exists. Would you follow along with me in in a copy of God's Word in Revelation 21? I'm going to just read through the first five verses. Before we get there, let me ask you this question. When is the last time you read Revelation 21 and 22? Someone might say, oh... Pastor Mike, that's, that's a heavy book. Uh, I'll leave that for... No, 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 listen. 
Uh, next week, we're going to be introduced to a writer. His name is John. And he was privileged to walk with Jesus. And he recorded the fourth gospel in the New Testament, which Pastor Adam is going to introduce to us in the following weeks. John was exiled to an island called Patmos where John received a vision from Jesus. And you know what he said? This is what John said. He records these things. And in chapter 1 in verse 3, John writes this, Blessed is the one who reads about the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, and and so later on, then Jesus tells John, John, write down what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches of Asia. And so John does. And in verse 19, John said, or Jesus said to John, write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are, are to take place after this. And so John records all this information about the book of Revelation, about Jesus in, uh, in chapter 1, and then in chapter 2 and 3, he talks about, he writes these letters to these uh, current churches that were in existence during John's day. And then he starts to write about the future things. And that's what we're looking at this morning. And so in Revelation, now you're there, 21, this is what John records. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, watch this, write it down, John, for these words are trustworthy. These words are true. And so this morning, my thoughts as I just think about this place that we're going to look at, it's a wonder that such a place exists. It's just, uh, it really is really beyond our imagination, yet the Bible says this is a real place. We just had communion. And you remember the last time Jesus had communion on earth was with his disciples. We call it the Last Supper, right before he was uh, taken captive and, and crucified. And the guys were really sort of uh, nervous. They were afraid. They had seen things happen. They would seen the Pharisees and the Sadducees uh, conniving and, and conspiring to arrest Jesus. And, and Jesus even told them, guys, I'm going to die. And so they're sitting at this and reclining at this table, and Jesus saw their fear. He saw their anxiety. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. You see, in my Father's house are many mansions or dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to what? 
prepare a place for you. This is it. Now, I wonder if, if John saw any yellow tags saying under construction when, when he saw this vision, but he was seeing what Jesus was talking about. Guys, I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again. 40 days later, I'm going to ascend into heaven. And I'm going to make a home for you that you're not going to be able to behold. It's, it's a wonder that such a place exists. The Apostle Paul himself said it this way in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. We have a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. That's our place. So Jesus talks about it. The apostle Paul talks about it. And now John, in Revelation 21 and 22, he's laying this out for us. He's privileged to see this place. And he describes it in these chapters. Now, I want you to jump. We're going to jump ahead a little bit. I want us to, to look in verse about 15 and following. John begins to record some measurements. And the angel has measurements. And, and man has measurements about this holy city. And it's perfectly square. And he gives all these measurements. And then we get down to about verse uh, 18. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. Now, just listen. He talks about first jasper, then sapphire, and agate, and emerald, and the onyx, and carnelian, and uh, some of these, I don't even know what they are, crystallite, and the eighth burial, ninth topaz, the, tw- uh, the tenth Christophus, the eleventh jaseth, the twelfth anethyst. The twelve gates were made of twelve pearls, and each of the gates were made of a single pearl, and the streets were of gold. Now, going back to all those jewels, now if we were to take all those jewels, like seven or eight jewels, and just threw them in a jewelry box, I don't think they're very pretty. Jewels by themselves really have no beauty. Oh, but I forgot to read. What does verse 22 say? And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. And the city was, had no need of sun or moon to shine it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. You see, the only beauty that we're talking about a place, but let's don't forget, it's all about a person. It's Jesus. It's the Lamb of God who died for us. And he is the light. And so all these gems and sapphires, all of a sudden they just come to brilliance of of, of beauty because the light is shining through them all because of Jesus. My friends, it's a wonder. We go back to these verses. There's no night in heaven. There's no death. Verse 4, there's no pain. There's no sorrow. Um, It's all behind us. It's all behind us. It's a wonder that such a place exists. Number two, it's a wonder that heaven's inhabitants even, um, that they enjoy this unity. Now, we live in a world, it doesn't matter where you look, whether it's in business, whether it's uh, in politics, whether it's just in uh, international nations, there's no peace. There's always somebody striving to get over somebody else. And, and there's just this tension and this turmoil that we live in, maybe even in your family. But heaven, I want us to notice, in heaven, there is absolute oneness. How do I see that? How do we get to heaven? 
We only get there because, I want you to look, chapter 21 and verse 27, the last verse. Nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And later on in chapter, four, uh, chapter 22 and verse 14, it says, Blessed are those who wash their robes in the Lamb. There is a oneness in heaven because if you're going to heaven and this person across the country is going to heaven and you're going to heaven and you're going to heaven, it's all because of one reason, right? Amen. Because (laughs) Jesus died on the cross and he shed his blood. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. And that what this, that's what this cup represents, Jesus' blood. And the only way to heaven is one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father but by me. It's a narrow road, isn't it? It's a narrow gate. The road to destruction is broad and wide, Matthew 7. Many go that way. But the road to eternal life is only through Jesus. And so there's a wonderful unity just because we get there only through Jesus Christ. Number three, it's a wonder that heaven is interested in this world. Look at verse three. Again, it says this. I'm going to go back to verse 2. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. There's a definition of heaven right there. Heaven is the dwelling place of God. But you know, if you have Jesus in your heart, that heaven can be within us as well. But it's a wonder that heaven is interested in this world. Um, it's just, this world is crazy. It's, it's sinful. Chad talked about the, the, uh, the sinfulness of mankind. Why? Why does God care? Romans 5.8, but God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. John 3.16, for God, what's it say? Say it with me. So love the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's a wonder that heaven is interested in you and me. God loved us. He cares for us. So it takes us right to the fourth one. It's a wonder that we may actually get to go there. I love this verse, chapter 22. Look over 22 and verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. It's an invitation. It's, we actually get to go there. It would, it would be easy to read Revelation 21 and 22 and say, well, that's a nice place. Uh, you know, I don't, um, God lives there. But to think that we can go there? Uh, it, it's, just, it's just a wonder to me. Um, the Greeks The Greeks had their concept of the gods who lived on the top of Mount Olympus. 
and in their minds and in their hearts, they were content to believe that the gods lived up there and we live down here and never the two shall, shall meet. That's not what God did for us. God brought heaven to us in the person of his son. It's a wonder that we may actually go there. Paul said it this way in Philippians 3.20, our citizenship is already in heaven from what we wait for the Lord Jesus to come to make that come to fruition. Probably the most important wonder of all, the condition. The condition of heaven is a wonder to me. If we were to go out to the world and say, what do you think you have to do to get to heaven? What would they say? Well, you got to keep the Ten Commandments. Oh, you know, well, you, you got to shovel your neighbor's uh, snow and you got to mow her lawn. Or, uh, it's just a wonder that when, when you look out and see what the world would write down for requirements, and we might say status or race or IQ, um, but none of that is before us. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verses 26 and following said, it's not wisdom, it's not nobility, it's not because of who you are, it's not our pride. It's all because of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, consistently throughout the scripture, the Bible says it's for whoever. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord can be saved. And I ask you this morning, if we were in a private conversation, are you saved? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt if you, like Cindy this morning, breathed your last? Right now, you're in heaven. Is that in your heart? Is, are you confident of that? Do you know for sure? Uh, listen, um, there's a gal by the name of Ruthanna Metzger. She was a professional singer. She was asked to sing at the wedding of a very wealthy man. According to the invitation, the reception would be held on the top two floors of Seattle's Columbia Tower, the northwest tallest skyscraper. She and her husband, Roy, were excited about attending. At the reception, waiters in tuxedos offered luscious hors d'oeuvres and, and exotic beverages. The bride and groom approached a beautiful glass and brass staircase leading up to the reception. And someone ceremoniously cut a, a big, thick ribbon that was uh, stopping the stairs from being open. And the bride and the groom ascended those stairs up to the reception hall, followed by the guest. On the top of the stairs, a maitre d' stood holding his book. And as Ruthanna and Roy ascended up the stairs, he asked, may I have your name, please? And she responded, I'm Ruthanna Metzger, and this is my husband, Roy. And he searched through the, the book and asked, could you spell your last name, please? And M, and looked through there and said, I'm, I'm not finding it. After searching the book, the maitre d' looked up and said these words, I'm sorry, but your name 
isn't here. There must be some mistake, Ruthanna said. You see, I just finished singing at the wedding. Uh, I'm the singer. Uh, the gentleman answered, doesn't matter what you are, what you've done. If your name isn't in the book, you're not invited to the reception. He motioned to a waiter and said, show these people to the service elevator. As the messengers followed the waiter past beautifully decorated tables laden with shrimp and whole smoked salmon and magnificent carved ice sculptures adjacent to the banquet area that orchestra was preparing in their white tuxedos, the waiter led Ruthanna and Roy to the service elevator, ushered them in, pushed G for parking garage, and down they went. They found their car. They drove for many, several miles before any words were said. And Roy touched Ruth Anna's arm and said, Honey, what happened? And she said, Well, when the invitation arrived, I, I was busy. I, I never bothered to RSVP. Besides, I was the singer. Surely I could go to the reception without returning the RSVP. Ruthanna started to cry, not only because she had missed the most lavish banquet she'd ever be invited to, but because she had a small glimpse, a small taste of what it will be like someday for people who stand before Christ and find that their names are not written in that book. Would you look at the previous chapter, Revelation chapter 20? And the last verse before we get to this description of heaven, it says, and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. The condition for heaven, it's a wonder. It is so simple but we can't pass it up. We can't wait until tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. Place your trust in him today. And that's what we need to, to, to think about. Now, I, okay, um, message is over, but Pastor Adam, I got two more thoughts, okay? So um, l- let me just share those two more thoughts. Two more wonders. Uh, the sixth wonder. It's a wonder that Christians do not try to get more people to go to heaven. That is a wonder to me. When you think about it, uh, Christians, we're doing it right now, talk about heaven, they can describe heaven, they can, they can, uh, di- you know, they can di- uh, diagram the, the paragraphs and we can talk about heaven and talk about the beauty and talk about all that's going to be there and who's not going to be there, but do we care about those that don't know? We do, we do so little for other people. I'm reminded of right before Jesus ascended into heaven after he died and rose again. He was with his disciples, remember, for 40 days. And the disciples were with them. And all of a sudden, it says in chapter, Acts chapter 1 and verse 9, and when he had said these things, as they were looking on, Jesus was lifted up. And he just physically, because they touched him. He ate food with him. He physically ascended into heaven. 
And as they were looking up, a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So the last time the disciples saw Jesus was on that day. But what did he say right before he ascended into heaven? Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But you will receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the world. Jesus gave them a commission. Listen, you saw me die and rise again. Now you're seeing me go up into heaven. Get out there and tell others about a place they can go just like you get to go and you just saw me go. I want you to tell them about heaven. Um, it, it's, a, it's a wonder that we're closed mouthed. Listen, I just got back from a little vacation, my wife and I. And uh, so I, I took all kinds of pictures. I even emailed Brad and, and showed him some of the, and he got mad at me for all the nice pictures that he saw. Beautiful beaches and warm weather, and, and it was just beautiful. And we get all excited. Look, look. Why don't we get that excited about a, an eternal place that we're going to? I'm going to live forever. In eternity, in a beautiful place with Christ as the Lamb of God as my, as my Lord. And I'm going to be able to see those. It's a wonder that people don't care as Christians. And the last wonder, it's a wonder that more people who are lost do not want to go to heaven. Isn't, doesn't that bother you at times? I understand, we understand that until that day that we, the Spirit of God opens up our eyes, our eyes are blinded. And so people are entrenched in the world and they hold on to things. It would seem that if you would announce that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to, to shun, people would just absolutely line up. But they don't. And Jesus himself said it in Revelation 3 and verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open that door, I will come into him. It's an open invitation for all to receive and trust Christ to go to heaven. John Newton had his own wonders. He said, when I get to heaven, I shall see three wonders there. The first wonder will be to see many there that I didn't expect. The second wonder would be to be missing people that I thought were supposed to be there that I assumed were a Christian. And the third wonder, and the greatest of all, John Newton says, will be to find myself there. Um, I, I close with this story. When Billy Graham was 92 years old, he was struggling with Parkinson's disease. And in January, a month before his 93rd birthday, leaders in Charlotte, North Carolina, invited their favorite son, Billy Graham, to a luncheon in his honor. 
Billy initially uh, hesitated to accept the invitation because of his struggles with Parkinson's disease. But the Charlotte leader said, we don't expect a major address from you. Just come. Let us honor you. And so Billy agreed. After wonderful wonderful things were said uh, about him, Dr. Graham stepped up to the podium, looked at the crowd, and this is what he said. I'm reminded today of Albert Einstein, the great physicist who this month has been honored by Time magazine as the man of the century. Einstein was once traveling from Princeton on a train when the conductor came down the aisle punching the tickets of every passenger. When he came to Einstein, Einstein reached in his vest pocket and couldn't find his ticket. Then he reached in his trousers and couldn't find his ticket. Then he opened up his briefcase and couldn't find his ticket. And by that time, the conductor said, "Uh, Dr. Einstein, um, I know who you are. (laughs) We all know who you are. Uh, I'm sure you bought a ticket. Don't worry about it. And Einstein nodded appreciatively. The, The conductor continued down the aisle, punching tickets. And he was just getting ready to go into the new car, the next car. And he turned back and... There's Dr. Einstein on his hands and knees, looking under the seat for his ticket. (laughs) The conductor went back to the end of the car and said, Dr. Einstein, Dr. Einstein, don't worry. I know who you are. No problem. You don't need a ticket. I'm sure you bought one. Einstein (laughs) looked up at him and said, young man, I know as well who I am. I just don't know where I'm going. (laughs) Now, having said that, Dr. Graham continued his uh, address. See the suit I'm wearing? What happened to suits, Adam? (laughs) You see the suit I'm wearing, Dr. Graham said? It's a brand new suit. My children and my grandchildren are telling me I've gotten a little slovenly in my old age. I used to be a bit more fastidious. So I went out and bought a new suit for this luncheon and for one more occasion. You know what that occasion is? This is the suit in which I'll be buried. But when you hear I'm dead, I don't want you to immediately remember the suit I'm wearing. I want you to remember this. I not only know who I am, I also know where I'm going. My friends, heaven is a wonderful topic. It's a safe topic. Next message will be on hell, I suppose, when Pastor Adam asked me. (laughs) But are you going there? Now, Angela tells me that she would love, she she would love this. Every, Every message that is preached at the end, Pastor Adam holds up the connection card, and he says, we'd like you to fill this out and give us your information. On the back, there's some, some things that you can consider for this next week to discuss. Angela tells me she would love to receive 320 cards uh, uh, tomorrow morning to go through. Uh, it's just, what, uh, seriously, what we'd like you to do with this card this morning as Nathan comes up and gives, us a chance, gives you a chance to fill it out. I know if you're already a member, you don't have to fill out the whole front. You just say, Randy, and I'm, I'm, it's me. But on the back, I want you to tell us 
Yes, my name is written in the Lamb's book of life because I have trusted Jesus as my Savior. That's the message of New City. That's what we want the community of Ankeny to do, is to be able to come to a knowledge of the, of the truth that Jesus loves them, he died for them, and he rose again, and he's waiting for the day that he comes to receive us back to heaven again. But I trust that you're ready, that you've put your trust in Christ, and that you are certain of the day that you meet Jesus. Are you? If not, let's pray. And I'm going to give you that opportunity to pray with me this morning, and then we'll allow you that moment to fill out that card. Father, today as we reflect on this subject of heaven, we already are rejoicing in the fact that Cindy is in your presence. Because Cindy had a personal relationship with her Savior. Father, if there's one here this morning that has never opened up their heart and acknowledged the simplicity of ABC, admit that I'm a sinner. Secondly, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ who died on my behalf for my sin. And three, to confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. If I've never done that, Lord, would that person listening to my voice make, make that their personal prayer right now? And Lord, encourage us to rejoice in our future. Encourage us to be excited about that future, to share with others about our eternal home. And may you receive the glory in this process. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.